Good morning, Mishpaka and friends. Um, what are we on? What day are we on in quarantine here? I'm not even sure anymore. Maybe maybe it's day 23. I'm not sure. Um, but I wanted to come on here. Happy uh, first day of the week uh, to you. Hope you had a, a blessed uh, Shabbat yesterday or Sabbath, whatever you refer to it as. Um, but I wanted to come on here. Um, because, uh, you know, I really feel we need to just up our game in the spirit right now. Because, you know, I, I made comments that, um, you know, the, uh, the enemy and the enemy's missionaries, the enemy sent ones, you know, the false prophets out there, you know, literally warlocks, witches, you know, everything like that. Those who operate in the occult, and paganism and Wicca, all that stuff. They've tapped into the depths of their, you know, like if you were to refer to it as like, you know, like kind of like the force in Star Wars, you know, like you have the lighter side of the force and you have the darker side of the force. Well, the occult, the Wiccans, the pagans, all them, you know, they've they've tapped into um, what's available in um, on the on the dark side of the force and. You know, I've actually seen testimonies from former pagans, former Wiccans, former Satanists, where they're like, you know, these these silly Christians, like they don't have a clue. They barely even go to church once a week, let alone read their scriptures, let alone pray, everything like that. And we don't want to be caught um, like the sons of Sceva were, where, you know, where the demons, when they encountered the sons of Sceva, they were like, you know, Yahushua we know, Paul we know, but who are you? You know, uh, we don't we don't want that. So anyway, what is Facebook doing to me? Are they shadow banning me right now? There's usually more people able to see this. Let's see what's going on here. Let's see if we can wait a couple more seconds to invite some more people. No, I guess, I guess Facebook blocking the truth. Eh, what do you know? But anyway, I wanted to come on here and, and do a teaching on spiritual warfare because, you know, we know that we're, you know, the Bible tells us in Ephesians six that we're not dealing with flesh and blood. Our, our battle is not against flesh and blood. Let me just read it real quick. But it says in Ephesians six, verse 12, because we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against authorities, against the rulers, world rulers of darkness of this age, and against spiritual matters of wickedness in the heavenlies. You know, we're not dealing against flesh and blood here. You know, he's called the prince of the powers of the air. I don't know where that's witnessed at in the scripture, but I know I know he's referred to as that. And he's using and he has used radio waves and frequencies and and different powers of the air you know for for who knows how long because this is not the first so-called outbreak that we've dealt with you know you can actually go back on a timeline i've seen it 
where all the way back to 1918, when the quote-unquote Spanish flu was running amongst, um, that that was the first time radio waves were actually introduced um, in the world, you know, like via via the radio and via other forms of radio. So, you know, we shouldn't be surprised by this, you guys. We shouldn't be caught unaware by this. So, but we need to we need to get a crash course in spiritual warfare right now. We need to know what we're what we're up against and what we're praying against and who our enemy is and what he's capable of and all of that stuff. Because if you're praying against CV19, I'm here to tell you that that's not the issue. The issue is the radioactive radiation frequencies coming from these 60 gigahertz uh, towers that they're erecting while we're all in our in our houses and locked up under not ML, not that, you know, they don't call it that just shelter in place, you know, and I swear if I, oh man, get on YouTube this morning and or lately and listening to worship music is so difficult because every ad is all about stay at home, stay at home, be safe. Oh my gosh. Just <laughs> anyway, but we gotta we gotta learn what it really means and quickly what it means to put on the full armor of Elohim. Because if you don't do this and you don't know how to do this and you don't armor up every single day and have someone, you know, check your armor, make sure there's no chinks in it, everything like that, then you're gonna have problems in the spirit. He's gonna have access, he's gonna have ways to get at you and attack you with his fiery darts. Um Especially when we have literally, you know, the um, EMFs on top of Humvees, you know, that are literally pointed at our houses and stuff like that. That is, you know, it, it's no secret that it is a military weapon. Um, so verse 13 says, because of this, take up the complete armor of Elohim so that you have power to withstand in the wicked day and having done all to stand. So... It says, having done all to stand. So when you get to the last, you know, your last end of the rope, basically, you know, he's telling you to tie a knot in it and just hang on. And then at verse 14, it says, stand then, having girded your waist with truth, with, yeah, with truth, having the breastplate of, having on the breastplate of righteousness. So the having your girded your waist with truth, that comes from a, Isaiah chapter 11, verse 5, it says, And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, and trustworthiness the girdle of his waist. And having put on the breastplate of righteousness is Isaiah, Isaiah 59, verse 17. And he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of deliverance on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself with ardor as his mantle. And having fitted your feet with the preparation of the good news of peace, Isaiah 52, verse 7. How pleasant upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings good news, who proclaims deliverance, who says to Zion, your Elohim reigns. Above all, having taken up the shield of belief, which you shall have power to quench the burning arrows of the wicked one. So having the shield of faith or the shield of belief 
having that will allow you to actually quench these burning arrows of the wicked one, which I truly believe are going to come through not only in the spiritual realm, but in the physical realm in the form of, you know, these EMF frequencies. And you need to, you know, Yahushua said, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you agree upon in my name, I will do it for you. So we need to make sure that we're very specific on what we are praying against and what we are standing against and what we're taking authority over. Because if you're praying against, you know, CV-19, you need to know and you need to get through your mind that it ain't about a V, so-called, as the world's talking about. That's the red cape distraction. The red cape distraction is convincing everybody, hey, stay in your homes, put on a mask if you go out, and you'll be fine. No, a mask will not protect you from 60 gigahertz technology. It won't do it. So you got to know what you're standing against. Don't be caught unaware and in ignorance. Verse 17 says, take also the helmet of deliverance. Isaiah 59, 17. So it, so it refers back to that other verse where it talked about Isaiah 59, 17. And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of Elohim, praying at all times with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. We're going to touch on that in the spirit, watching in all perseverance and supplication for all the set apart ones. And then Paul says also for me that the word might be given to me in the opening of my mouth to be bold in making known the secret of the good news for which I'm an envoy in change that I may speak boldly as I should speak. So it says that you're supposed to pray at all times with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. So how are you going to pray in the spirit if you don't operate or walk in the spirit? How are you going to do that? You're not going to be able to. You know, people look at me and they're like, dude, you are just out there. You are just so you know, they, they, they miss, they call me prideful. They call me self-righteous, whatever. No, it's boldness. Proverbs 28 verse one says that the wicked fleeth when no one pursues them, but the righteous are bold as a lion. And I'm telling you this morning, uh, he's just been all over me this morning to where I might spontaneously combust. I'm not sure, but I'm here to tell you that Yahusha told the disciples, if you look, in Acts chapter 1, I'm going to flip there. I'm leaving my bookmark in 1 Corinthians um, 12 and 14. But in Acts chapter 1, well, first of all, he says, what is it, John? So, so in John 14, verse 15 and 16, and I touched on this the other day, he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. We know that part. But he also said in verse 16, so if you love me, keep my commandments. And basically, if you keep my commandments, then in verse 16, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells within you and will be with you. So we actually get the benefit 
Uh, and Yahushua said, it's better that I go away, for if I go away, then I will go to the Father and he will send you the Holy Spirit or the set-apart spirit or Ruach HaKodesh or whatever you want to call the set-apart spirit. Okay? So, and then on top of that, when he, when he visited with his disciples after his resurrection in John 20, he, he came in the midst of them, right? And he said, receive. He said, peace to you in, in verse 22. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. That's what he said. So let's get to Acts chapter 1. This is where I was about to be tomorrow anyway in my daily readings. But see, I got to tell you my testimony because we overcome by the blood of the lamb, by the word of our testimony and by not loving our lives even unto death. Right. That's the three things that we do. So my testimony is for 18 months after I became a, a believer, a follower of the way. And I started to read the word and I started to, you know, uh, be uh, allow myself to just take it all in and be like a sponge um you know i went on a mission trip a couple months after i was after i had started following yahusha and when i did on the back of our t-shirts i wish i still had the t-shirt i would still wear it but it said acts chapter 1 verse 8 and it said but you shall receive power when the holy spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses in jerusalem Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And I didn't even know what that meant. So I asked people, hey, what is this? Oh, that's where you have uh, the, the Holy Spirit is the gift from the Father. And he gives you different manifestations of the Spirit, like prophesying or speaking in tongues or, you know, just other different things. And I said, wow, that's in the Bible? I want that. Because see, if it's in the Bible, I want it. That's how I've always operated. Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm not. I don't know. But Yahushua made it very clear to them, to the disciples, to the disciples. He said this in verse 4. It says, and being assembled in Acts chapter one, verse four, it says, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them. He didn't ask them. He didn't suggest it. He commanded them, being his disciples, to not depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the father, which he said, you have heard from me for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And John the Baptist, that's who he's referring to, but John the Baptist said that I baptize you with water, but there's one coming after me who you wish was before me, whose shoes I'm not worthy even undo, and he will baptize you with fire and with the Holy Spirit. So why would you not want this? Why would you not want this? This is what Yahushua ascended for. Because see, Yahushua, he's one place, one time, he's a man. Right? He was in physical form. 
You know, crowds would gather around. You know, the woman with the issue of blood, she had to push through the crowd to touch his, just touch the hem of his garment so that she could be healed. But the Holy Spirit, he's everywhere. The Spirit of Elohim is everywhere. So he can touch you right where you're at if you just believe. So he said, for John truly baptized with water, but you, you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Master, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Yeshurel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put into his authority, but you shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So they thought at that time he was going to restore the kingdom to Israel. He thought it, he was going to, they thought he was going to merge the two branches that, you know, the book of Ezekiel 37 talks about. That's what they thought they were, that he was going to do after his ascension. He thought, they thought that he was just going to immediately do it. But they didn't understand. So now, let's go to 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. Some of my favorite chapters. So I'm here to tell you that you cannot operate in spiritual warfare if you are not operating in the Spirit and you don't have the Spirit. The same Spirit who raised Mashiach from the grave lives inside of me and lives inside of some of you some of you he might not i don't know but it talks about evidence evidence there's evidence when the holy spirit comes actually let's go to acts chapter 2 first because that's where it talks about the evidence because there's there's what you see and what you hear so verse uh Chapter 2, verse 1, it says, And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all gathered in one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven of, as of mighty rush, a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So what they're saying here is that they were not doing this on our own accord. You know, Zechariah chapter 4, I believe it's verse 6, says, It's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my Spirit, says Yahuwah of hosts. Well, how can you operate in anything other than your own power and your own might if you are not operating in the Holy Spirit because you're quenching Him? You're quenching the Holy Spirit. You're quenching Him. Why would you want to do that? Do you want to build a house with a hammer and nails or do you want power tools? Because I want power tools. Because He said, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you will receive power. Power like, you know, the prophets of old had, like Elijah, where he would call fire down from heaven. You know, power like Elisha, 
where he would outrun things and and you know chariots would take him away and you know people would call him bald people called elisha bald and bears came out of the wilderness and mauled them so be careful how you talk to yahuwah's anointed it says touch not yahuwah's anointed his servants but it says so verse 4 it says and they were all not not some it says they were all filled with the holy spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance and there were men dwelling in jerusalem Yahudim, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speaking in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? How is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phaegra, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya, adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Yahudim and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of Elohim. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, Whatever could this mean? And others mocking said, They are full of new wine. They're drunk. That's what they were saying. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you today and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. It was nine o'clock in the morning. Nine o'clock in the morning. But this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says Elohim, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. On my men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. So he's quoting Joel chapter 2, verses 28 through 32. So, and then he preaches a sermon by the Spirit, and like three to four thousand people are added to the assembly in that day. What kind of preaching could you do by the Spirit, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, where three to four thousand, five thousand people come to the assembly that day in one moment? One moment. So this is the first account. There are three types of tongues and i'm here to tell you today i understand being a formal pentecostal being a formal assembly of god being a formal charismatic being a formal non-denominational i understand that people do things out of order and that elohim is not an elohim of disorder but he's an elohim of order bless you so i understand that that men have perverted this they have made it an emotional thing they've made it a thing that's forced but I'm here to tell you today, I can only tell you what I've seen and what I've heard. 
And since I was about 18 years old, which I'm 34 now, I can promise you that I have been with the Spirit and filled with the Spirit. And it's not just filled with the Spirit like it's one time. No, it's be being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's an action. It's, it's a constant flow. We're conduits. He pours into us. We pour out into others. He pours into us. We pour out into others. That's why Paul said, pour me out like a drink offering. So there are three types of tongues. Okay, there is a private prayer language that everyone has the ability to do if you tap into the gift and the manifestation of the Ruach HaKodesh, the set-apart spirit, the Holy Spirit. Okay, it does not require an interpretation, but Paul does say, pray that you would be able to interpret. He does say that. Okay, we're going to cover that in a second. Number two, there is an earthly, public supernatural language where I, you know, I speak obviously English, okay? I know a little bit of Spanish and I know a li very little bit of Hebrew, okay? But supernaturally, if I, like what happened in Acts 2, what happened in Acts 2 is this case where supernaturally, because it said, as the Spirit gave them utterance, Okay? As the Spirit gave them utterance, all these different nationalities, all these different languages were able to hear the wonderful works of Elohim in their language, even though the men were all of Judea who were in the upper room in Acts chapter 2. When the Spirit came upon them, they all began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance, and they all began to speak in different language supernaturally. So, you know, I've never personally experienced this before myself. However, I've heard of others experience it. Like, I'll tell you a story of, you know, where um, I heard a pastor teach on this um, guy named uh, John Bevere, which is where, you know, because um, see, people tried to steal this from me. You know, well-meaning people tried to steal this from me, like, crabs in a bucket you know like oh you need to calm down like you know the spirit you know no yeah tongues tongues is dead tongue tongues was for the apostles you know that that's that's dead that's gone and i'm like wait a minute it's in the bible what do you mean it's dead what do you mean it's gone don't we serve an elohim who's alive and well isn't his son risen how can it be dead if it's written in my bible why is it written in my bible if it's dead i want it I don't care what you think. I don't care if you think I'm crazy. I will be crazy in the sight of you, but I'd rather I'd rather go after him with reckless abandonment. So, but there's a, um, in John Bevere's teaching, he talks about how there was a time where someone was praying in tongues in service behind someone and they could hear, it was like an old German dialect and they were saying, and then what would happen is he would start preaching what they were saying in English. Okay, that's an example of that. Okay, I personally have never experienced that. Okay, but so that's the second kind. So there's, there's a private prayer language. We'll get into this in a second. I'm just giving you my bullet points here for once. But you got your private prayer language that everyone has access to. Everyone. 
Everyone, as far as Yahuwah or Elohim is called. That's what the word says. Okay. So, and then um, you have the public, which is an earthly tongue spoken supernaturally. Okay. And then you have the third one, which is public, but it's a public heavenly language. So the earthly tongue also requires an interpretation as well, unless someone already interprets. Okay. And then the third one is a heavenly tongue, similar to the first one, except this one, if it's done publicly, requires an interpretation. Now, typically the one who gives the tongue is also the one that's going to most likely have the interpretation of it as well. Okay. And that's the order where you get out of order and into disorder is where you have in, you know, Pentecostal churches and other assemblies out there. You have where people are just, it's chaos there. You have, you know, instances where they're like, okay, now we're just all going to war in the spirit and everybody just starts speaking in tongues. Well, see, unfortunately, there's situations where people would rather, they fear man more than they fear Elohim. So they would rather make up something that they're babbling and they're literally babbling and they're mimicking what this, what their neighbor's doing or whatever. And they're not allowing the spirit to flow through them, but it's an emotionalized result. Okay. But see, when I was baptized with the spirit, okay, it was when I was 18 years old and I had been, I'd been petitioning for it for 18 months. Okay. For 18 months. And one night at youth group, um, you know, the, my youth pastor taught on the Holy spirit at the altar call, you know, called for people wanted, the Holy Spirit. I said, yeah, I want it. This is what I've been waiting for. Absolutely. You know, he prayed over me. I began to um, speak in other tongues and a voice came to me and it was a voice I'd never heard before. And it was in a negative snide tone. Now I can't tell you if it was S.A. Tan himself because he's not everywhere. He roams around, you know, um, he goes to and fro, the book of Joel talks, or book of Job mentions. So he's not everywhere, you know, like, like Yahuwah is, uh, is it omniscient where he's everywhere? I think it's omniscient. But anyway, he's not omniscient. He can't be everywhere at once. So I don't know if it was Satan himself or if it was one of his demons. Okay. But I heard this voice say, you're not speaking the mighty works of Elohim. You're just babbling. What are you doing? You look foolish. You're just babbling. And I literally opened my eyes. I looked to my right because that's where the noise was coming from or that's where it seemed. And I don't mean like audibly. I mean like internally, you know, like these thoughts. Like it was like he was whispering in my ear these thoughts, um, which is what he does because he can't read our minds. So, you know, I looked at him and I'm like, no, no, you're not stealing what I've contended for for 18 months. You're not stealing it. And I actually watched where that same spirit that came to me, whatever it was, whether, like I said, it was a demon or S.I. Tan himself, but I watched others around me and they let it happen. They didn't hold fast to it. They let him come and quench that fire to quench and steal that joy that they were experiencing, steal that gift that they were having. And I was like, no, I'm not having it. 
So he's never been able to steal it from me. Okay. So anyway, so let's get into the actual spiritual gifts. All right. All right. So first Corinthians 12, and then we'll jump over to first Corinthians 14. But it says now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away with, to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the spirit of Elohim calls Yahusha accursed. And no one can say Yahusha is master except by the spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same master. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same Elohim who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given a word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another a word of knowledge through the same Spirit, and to another faith by the same spirit and to another gifts of healings by the same spirit and to another working of miracles to another prophecy to another discerning of spirits and to another different kinds of tongues and to another interpretation of tongues but one and the same spirit works in all these distributing to each one individually as he wills and then it goes into talking about for we are members of one body but all the members of that body, of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Mashiach. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Yahudim or Greek, whether slave or free, having all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say to the to say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it not therefore not of the body? If the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would we be would be the hearing? If the whole body, if the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now Elohim has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed, there are many members, yet one body. And yet, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No much rather, we are those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body, which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. But Elohim comp composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which it lacks, which lacks it. That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another as if and if one member suffers all the members suffer with it and if one member is honored all the members rejoice with it now you 
are the body of Mashiach and members individually. And Elohim has appointed these in the church. So he's about to talk about the offices. First, apostles. Second, prophets. Third, teachers. After that, miracles. Then the gift of healings. Then helps. Then administration. Then and varieties of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gifts. And yet, I show you a more excellent way. Now, he's referring to the public the public positions there. He's not referring, because that's where people will grab that verse and be like, See, look, it says, do all speak with tongues? See, it says it right here. No, he's referring to the public variants. Because he wants you to tap into the same spirit that raised him from the dead. So, 1 Corinthians 14. Let's see. Hang on. Now let me go to 1 Corinthians 13. So obviously that's that's the love chapter, right? But it says, verse 9 starts with, For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a man, as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror, dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am also known. And now faith, and now abide faith, hope, and love. And these three, but the greatest of these is love. So he's referring to, you know, hi, hi Abigail. Um, he's referring to right now that, you know, when he talks about for now, we see in a mere dimly, he's referring to the fact that we can't see him. He's behind the firmament. He's behind the mirrored glass. That is what we call our sky. We can't see him. We can't see him. But when we see him face to face, there will no longer be a need for prophesying. There will no longer be a need for tongues. There won't. That's what he's referring to. So now we can go to chapter 14. It says, pursue love, desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to Elohim. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. Okay, this is the prayer language right here. Okay, this is the prayer language. Because what happens is and we'll get into this more but this is the prayer language when you're speaking in a tongue okay you're not speaking to men you're speaking directly to elohim that's what it says for no one understands him however in the spirit he speaks mysteries so in the spirit you're speaking mysteries okay but he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men okay he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself so in the book of jude it actually talks about this um i think it's jude 20 
There's only one chapter, so that makes it easy. Yeah, it says Jude in Jude one twenty. It says, "But you, beloved ones, building yourselves up on your most set apart belief, praying in the set apart spirit." That's what it says. That's what it says. That's what he's talking about. So he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, lifts himself up. But he who prophesies edifies the assembly. I wish you all. So he says right here in verse five, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesy for he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks in tongues. Unless, unless indeed he interprets that the assembly may have edification. So he's talking about publicly right here in verse five. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks in tongues, speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the assembly may have edification. So if you prophesy, others in your own language or in a language that you know others can understand, okay, then Obviously, everyone else can hear you and understand what you're saying. But if you just stand up there and you're speaking in tongues publicly and you don't interpret what you're saying or have an interpretation by the spirit of what you're saying, no one's edified. That's what he's talking about. Okay. So and then he talks about verse six. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues. What shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching? Even things without life, whether flute or harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinct a distinction in the sounds, how will it be know what is piped or played? You see, I got a shofar up here, right? I got a shofar right here. I just got it last week, okay? And I can play that for you right now, but it sounds like me playing a third-grade recorder from back in the day, and it doesn't sound like a shofar. But see, when I learn how to distinct the sound, then you'll know that that's the battle cry. That's how we wage war, right? That's how Joshua, that's how Joshua marched around Jericho and blew the trumpets, blew the shofars, and the walls came down, okay? That's what he's talking about. So, go over there. Go over there. So, that's what he's talking about. If you just, if I just spouted off tongues to all of you in, in public, which this would be public because you are hearing it, okay? And I don't give an interpretation by the Spirit, then all I'm doing is I'm, I'm not playing any melody whatsoever. It's just chaos. And that's what happens in the assemblies today, in the churches today. You have where everybody's just praying in tongues, and you've got people, you've got people there who aren't familiar with what's going on, and they think it's actually not of Elohim. They think it's like demonic. You know, they think it's whatever. And some of it is demonic, and some of it is uh, emotionalized and forced okay but just because there's a bunch of people that mess things up doesn't mean that it's not in the word because there's a lot of things that the church has messed up that that they say is in the word and it's not in the word 
you know, or they take out of context. You know, I'm not going to get into all that right now, but you get what I'm saying. So it says, verse 8, for if, and dang, I didn't even read verse 8 before I pointed to my shofar. But it says, for if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? Here, let me just see. Let's see if I can do this right now. I don't think I can. See, I don't know. See, that doesn't sound like a like a shofar to me. You know, it sounds like I'm calling dinosaurs or something like that, like trying to gather velociraptors in and talk to them. But that's what it's talking about. If a trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who would prepare for battle? You know, I'm supposed to be a watchman, and I, if I can't blow the shofar, how how will people know that the alarm has been sounded and that the sword's coming into the land? Right? Who will prepare for battle? So likewise, unless you, or likewise you, unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. There are, it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world, and none of them is without significance. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, and he who speaks with me, or and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. Even so, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the assembly that you seek to excel. Therefore, let him pray, or let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. So when you do speak in tongues, when you do speak in tongues in your prayer closet, in private, when no one hears you except for uh, Elohim himself, pray, it says, pray that he may interpret, or she may interpret. Of course, we're not being sexist here, right? For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is un unfruitful. So when I'm praying in tongues, I do not usually know what it is that I'm saying in the spirit because my spirit prays but my understanding is unfruitful that's what verse 14 says what is the conclusion then I will pray with the spirit but I will also pray with understanding I will sing with the spirit and I will also sing with the understanding otherwise if you bless with the spirit how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks since he does not know does not understand what you say for indeed give thanks well but the other is not edified i think by elohim that i speak in tongues speak with tongues more than you all that's what he says in verse 18. i think by elohim that i speak with tongues more than you all yet in the assembly i would rather speak five words with my understanding than that i may teach others also than ten thousand words in a tongue so keep going here because he's going to get into that signs or tongues are a sign for unbelievers for unbelievers and order in church meetings because this is where it gets out of order when you don't follow the order of Scripture. 
So it says, brethren, do not be children in understanding, however in malice be babes, but in understanding be mature. In the law, in the Torah, it is written, with men of other tongues and other lips, I will speak to this people, and yet for all that they will not hear me. Let's see where my side note goes. That's from Isaiah 28, uh, verse 11 and 12. So Isaiah 28, verse 11 and 12. Which that's right after he talks about precept upon precept and line upon line, right? It says, verse 11, For with a jabbering lip and a foreign tongue he speaks to this people, to whom he said, This is the rest, give rest to the weary and this is the refreshing, but they would not hear. That's what he's referring to, says Yahuwah. Therefore, tongues, listen, verse 22 is important. Therefore, tongues are for a sign, not for those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but those who believe, for those who believe. So tongues is a sign for the unbelievers, but prophesying is not for the unbelievers, but to those who believe. Therefore, in the whole assembly comes together in one place, and all speak with tongues. And there come in, see, he's just talking about the situation I just explained to you. Therefore, if the whole assembly comes together in one place, and all speak with tongues, and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say that they are out of your mind? Will they not think that you're crazy? Yes, they will. That's what he's talking about. Then he says, but if all prophesy and an unbeliever comes in, or an unbeliever or uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all, and he is convicted by all. And thus the secrets of his heart are revealed, and so falling down on his face, he will worship Elohim and report that Elohim truly is among you. How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, a teaching, a tongue, a revelation, an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or at least, or at the, sorry, or at the most three, each in turn, and let each, and let one interpret. So if anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or the most three, each in turn, and let one interpret. That's what he's saying the order of service should be. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in the, in the assembly and let him speak to himself, let him speak to himself and to Elohim. Verse 29, let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. But if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. For you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. So if someone claims to have or move in the gift of prophecy, they are subject to other prophets. Like they get to test them out and, and say, you know, whether or not like their their spirit uh, confirms what they are saying. 
And then there's a verse, I can't think of where it is right now. I thought it was in Numbers, but it actually talks about what Yahuwah will do um, if he has, let me see if I can find it real quick. Speak to them in a dream. Let's see if I can find it. No, I can't. Oh, wait, here it is. Here it is. Um, Numbers 12, verse 6. That's where it was. I thought it was Numbers 13. So, so, so it says, and he said, hear my, so this is Yahuwah speaking. And he's talking to Aharon and Miriam because they're complaining against Moses. And he said, hear my words. If your prophet is of Yahuwah, I will make myself known to him in a vision and I speak to him in a dream. So if someone claims to be working as a prophet or um, or has the office of prophet or claims to move by the spirit of prophecy, Yahuwah will confirm it by speaking to that man or woman in a vision or speaking to him in a dream. Okay? That's what it says. So when two or three prophets are... So, um, so the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. So if there's multiple prophets in an assembly and one of them gets up and begins to give a prophecy, you know, prophesy, which there's so many levels to that. I can't even get into that right now because, see, everybody thinks that prophecy is all about, you know, like, you know, basically like almost like fortune telling. And that's not it at all. You know, that's actually a very, very small percentage of actually telling of future events. That it, it's a small little facet of of the uh, of the entire um, uh, office of a prophet or a watchman. Or I don't even, I don't like the p word. I think using titles like that is foolish and dangerous. Um, so anyway, but it says. Um, the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. So if somebody gets up, gives a word, you know, and says that I believe this is what Yahweh is saying in this hour. Then if there's other prophets in the assembly, then their spirit, they test the spirit of him who's speaking or her who's speaking. And they can they confirm it or they don't confirm it. That's what it's saying right there. Because it says in verse 33 that for Elohim is not the author of confusion, but of peace. And as in all the assemblies of the saints. Uh, verse 34, I'm going to skip because he's not talking about all women keeping silent. He was talking about one woman that was in um, in the church of Corinth. There was one woman who was boisterous and loud. You know, that's, that's different. Um, but that's what he's talking about here. So it says, um, verse 37, says, If anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things which I write to you 
are in are the commandments of Yahuwah. But if anyone is ignorant, let him be ignorant. Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy, and do not forbid this to speak with tongues. Let all things be done decently and in order. So he's telling you right here that do not or to desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid others to speak with tongues. So why is it that this is such a weird area? Why is it that some believers, you know, they literally like give it the stiff arm and other believers are like, bring it on, like dump that on me. Like, I want the fire, like just, just baptize. If it's in the scripture, I wanted it. That's how I operated. That's how I always have operated. If it's not in the scripture, I don't want it. You know, that's just, that's just how I am. So, and then he gives us another warning in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting in verse 16, it says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of Elohim and Mashiach Yahusha for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things and hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every evil. So now that we've established what the truth of the word says, and please go back through and I'll actually, um, I'll see if I can go back through and watch this and put in the notes um, what scriptures I was using. But you guys, I'm here to tell you that the spirit, the, the, the manifestations of the gift of the spirit are alive and well today. They're not dead. They weren't for the apostles. They weren't for a certain time frame. No, because our Elohim changes not. Yahushua HaMashiach is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So why would he do one thing and tell the disciples, do not leave Jerusalem until you've received the promise of the Father, referring to the another helper, which is another name or title for the set-apart spirit, why would he do that? But then you think that it's okay for you to try and just operate in your own understanding and by your own might and your own power. Why would you want to do that to yourself? Why not tap in? Why not tap into the one true Elohim and his spirit? Why not do that? Because it says in Romans, it says that those who are led by the spirit of Elohim, they are sons of Elohim. And by the Spirit, we cry out, Abba, Father. We have a spirit of adoption. And by that Spirit, we cry out, Abba, Father. We cry out to Him through the Spirit. It's by the Spirit. So everything, if you go and look, just type in in your Bible app, by, just type in the phrase, by the Spirit, in your Bible app, and see how many times that people were led by the Spirit or spoken to by the Spirit, or this by the Spirit, or that by the Spirit. But you don't want to operate in the Spirit? I don't understand it. Why would you do that? Especially in the days that we are now living in. Because I'm telling you that, and Yahushua testified to this. Yahushua said that the Spirit of truth, He will come to you and He will cause you to recall and remember everything that I have taught you. It's not by my own my own study, my own understanding, my own memorization. It's not any of that that I can rattle off different scriptures to you and fire them off like that. No, it's by the Spirit. 
I don't preach by my own understanding. At least I try not to. I absolutely try not to speak out of my own understanding. I don't want my own understanding. My own understanding is nothing. You know, the revelations that I've been giving you from him, those aren't my ideas. You know, I wasn't able to see through the lies that are being portrayed right now by my own eyes, by my own intellect or anything like that. No, I asked him. I asked him. I asked him over and over again. I petitioned him. I said, Abba, give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation. It says, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, that Elohim the, of our master, Yahushua Mashiach, the father of esteem, would give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened, that you may know what is the expectation of his calling and what are the riches of the esteem of his inheritance in the set-apart ones. And it references Luke 24.45. Do you know what Luke 24.45 says? It says, Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Hallelujah. Because, see, if you don't press in, he'll let you remain outside in the crowd. And all you'll get is the parables. All you'll get is the parables. You won't get the understanding. Because if you want to put him in an arm's length, and just keep him like, no, I'm not going to give you all of my heart. I know that's what you want, but I want to hold on to this piece. I want to hold on to this area. I want to remain in control of this area. Well, guess what? You will not operate in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. You won't do it because he does not operate in that manner. He wants all of you. That's why Joel 2 is one of my favorite books. Or one of my favorite chapters because he says, Yet even now, turn to me with all of your heart, with fasting, with weeping in prayer, and rend your heart and not your garments. That's what he says. He wants all of you. He won't relent until he has it all. He won't relent. He will relentlessly pursue you until you relentlessly pursue him. That's what it's all about, beloved. That's what it's about. So, so I've asked him, I've contended, I've prayed, Abba, will you give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation? Not so I can be smarter than other people. No. So I can just know you. What's on your mind? What's on your heart? What are you thinking? What are you feeling? I want to know. I want to be like Abraham. I want to be your friend, Abba. That's what I wanted. Because see, Lot and Abraham are both righteous men, but Lot had no idea that judgment was coming on Sodom and Gomorrah, where he was staying. He had no idea. But Abraham did, and through Abraham, Abraham interceded on behalf of Lot. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to stand in the gap because in Ezekiel, I think it's like 22 or 23 or something like that, Yahweh says that he's looking for someone to stand in the gap, but he found no one. So he had to judge the nation. And I, when I read stuff like that, I would said, in my heart, I said, Abba, I want to be the guy who's willing to stand in the gap. I want to watch over the people. I want to I warn them of what's happening, what's coming. So that's what this is about, you guys. And then one of my favorite verses, we actually have this on a plaque on our wall in our bedroom. It says, walk by faith and not by sight. 
Hallelujah. And I'm here to tell you today that that's the one thing that I got from the Left Behind movies that I can actually keep. Because everything else is garbage. But walk by faith and not by sight is not garbage. Because in these days, in these days, if you're not walking by faith and not by sight, or you are, sorry, if you're not walking by faith and you are walking by sight, your eyes will tell you that this is about a V. And that there is a V. And that you need to be wearing a mask. And that you need to, you know, be staying six feet away from others. But if you're walking by faith, you know, because you asked also for the manifestation of discernment, which is one of the gifts or one of the manifestations of the gift of the Spirit, you know that by discernment, you are have the discerning of spirits, so you're testing everything and holding fast to what is good, but expelling the rest, right? You know that this isn't about a V. This isn't about that. No, this is about the technology. This is about the fiery darts of the enemy. This is about armoring up. This is about understanding what's coming. This is about the prince and prince, uh, the prince of the power of the air. Let me find that verse. I'll find it here. Prince of the power of the air. See, it comes up just like that. Ephesians 2.2, 2, that's where it is. Ephesians 2.2. 2. So it says, in, in which you were called, once called according to the course of this world, according to the ruler of the authority of the air and the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. So the first one of that chapter says, you were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you were once called, once walked, sorry, according to the court of this world, according to the ruler of the authority of the air, and the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. So he's the ruler of the authority of the air. It makes sense he was their way and weapon. It makes sense because I don't want to get weird on you, okay? But you don't understand. Y'all hates Satan and perverts. That's how he operates. He's to steal, to kill, and destroy. That's how he operates. So you have a frequency. You have a frequency. Yahuwah has a frequency. And when you get in line or in tune with your frequency, see, I could take my guitar out right now. I could play you a song. But if my... I'm cutting out. I'm chopping up. Not good. Let me cut some stuff out here. See, right now I'm battling the prince of the powers of the air. How about that? Is it better now? Hopefully it's better. But, um, see, we're combating the prince of the power of the air right now. That's what we're combating. So, um, dang, where was I at? Um... You know, we're, we're battling, that's what we're battling. We're battling the prince of the power of the air. So we have to understand, you know, that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in Elohim. They're mighty. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 through 6. 
For the weapons we fight with are not fleshly, but mighty in Elohim, for overthrowing strongholds, overthrowing reasonings, and every high matter that exalts itself against the knowledge of Elohim, and taking every thought captive and making it obedient to Messiah, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is complete. So you've got to understand who your enemy is and how your enemy operates. That's what I was talking about. I was talking about being in tune. So I could grab my guitar right over there, okay? I could begin to play you a song, right? But if I don't tune that guitar first to the right frequency, the song will not sound right. And that's what it's about. So when you have sin in your life and you're not guarding your eyes, guarding your ears, guarding your mind, and guarding your heart, and putting up guardrails everywhere, and you know, keep having safe safe places where you know there's certain things that you do every single time to prevent yourself from falling. Like for me, for example, um, you know, I used to struggle really badly. I didn't even struggle. I pretty much just gave in. But I used to struggle in the area of pornography. Okay. But three and a half years ago, Abba woke me up. He gave me a revelation, and he said he let me realize. That it wasn't that my sin and my temptation was more powerful than I was. No, I was purposely giving into it. Okay? So when he and and he brought me to 1 Corinthians 15, 57, he talked about, you know, where it talks about, oh death, where's your sting? Oh death, where's your victory? Right? But then he talks about that we've been given the victory in Yahusha HaMashiach. So in that area, I claim the victory. You know. But since then, I established certain guardrails to keep myself from that, from even being tempted by that. So every time my wife and I watch a show or we watch a movie, do you know what we do? We look it up. We look it up to see what content's in there. And we have to agree upon it. And also, if there's... Um, uh, a rated R movie that we play, my wife has the code. My wife has the code. I don't even have the code. I don't even know what the code is to in order to uh, be able to play the rated R movie because I don't want to um, I don't want to stumble. I don't want to cause myself to stumble in that area. So that's what we have to do. We have to know how to operate in the spirit. We have to know spiritual warfare. We got to know what it means to put on the full armor of Elohim. What does that look like? You know, what is it? You know, we got to pray. Excuse me. We got to pray and press in right now because you are in the tribulation. I'm here to tell you. You're not in the great tribulation yet, but you are in the tribulation. This is the new world order rising, you guys. They're going to use those towers against us. Those are the fiery darts of the enemy. That he's that Paul's referring to, you know, and also there's obviously spiritual ones as well. And you've got to fight. You've got to engage. You cannot be passive in this hour. You know, I was telling I was talking about on Facebook earlier how, you know, the pagans and the Wiccans and and the Satanists and everything like that. They've tapped in to the um, the power that's available to them. You know, they've gone deep, deep, deep into the, the black, dark magic and, uh, you know, the occult and all that stuff. And they've tapped into that. And they can literally do things, you know, like sorcery type things where, you know, like they can, ma you know, manipulate stuff and, you know, just do all sorts of craziness. 
but you have believers who are just barely on the milk of the word. So we need to get a crash course in what it means to, to get into spiritual warfare and what it means to stand in the authority of Yahushua that he's given us. Because we don't want to be like the seven sons of Sceva, where the demons that we're trying to cast out, you know, they they speak to us and they say, well, Yahushua I know, Paul I know, but who are you? No, 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 I want to be known. I want to be known in hell. I want to wreak havoc in the kingdom of darkness and in hell. I want to I want him to know when Brandon Muchmore's awake. I want him to know. And just like C.S. Lewis talked about, when I give my last breath on this earth, I want him to take a big sigh of relief that I'm no longer in the fight. Because I want to tear down his strongholds. I want to take authority where I have it in the in the kingdom and in the in the spiritual realm. And, you know, what are greater works than these? That's what's been on my mind recently. What are greater works than these? Because Yahushua said that, because see, Yahushua did these things. And I'm just going to name a few. But he raised the dead. He made the lame walk. He made the blind see. He made the deaf hear. He, he cast out devils. He made the mute speak. He, um, he cured the issue of blood. Give me one second. He cured the issue of blood in that woman. You know, he, he did all these things. But then he said, when you receive the promise of the Father, when you receive the another helper, you will do greater works than these. What are greater works than these? What, what is the limit of what he can do through us by the Spirit? What is the limit? What can he do? Because... The Bible says that nothing's impossible for Elohim. So I almost think we need to go back to, you know, like the movie The Matrix. When when Neo was getting ready to make the first jump, the first time he goes into the Matrix, and Morpheus looks back to him and he says, free your mind. And then he jumps. And he jumps from... One building, it's like 50 foot to the other building, and he just leaps, right? And then Neil tries it, and he's like, okay, free my mind, free my mind, free my mind. Then he runs, jumps, and we all know, he falls, and, you know, smashes through the bottom of the matrix, and then, like, causes his lip to bleed or whatever, right? But, you guys, like, we got to free our mind. I really think that's what's getting in the way, because... What are we capable, not us ourselves, not in our flesh, not in our own might, not in our own strength, but by the Spirit, what are we capable of doing? What is, or not what are we capable of doing, but what is He capable of doing through us? You know, like what, that's what I think we need to contend for. You know, like, I mean, is it crazy to think that we can literally you know, I've actually heard of people before. Um, this was way back when I was in high school. My my best friend, his name was CJ. And his mom, she used to drive by this one strip club, um, you know, whenever she would come into town because they live like 40 miles away or whatever. But when she would, whenever she would come into town, she would make it a habit to drive by this one strip club. And she would prophesy and pray that that strip club would close, that that strip club would close. And 
Just keep praying and keep praying and keep praying. And did you know that a few years later that a fire happened at the strip club, burned it down, and it closed? Never, never to be seen again. Is it crazy that we couldn't look at a tower, you know, a tower and prophesy to that tower? Because Yahushua said, if you say to, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, that you can say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea. That's what he said, if we would only believe. So how is it that we couldn't do the same thing with a tower and say, prophesy to that tower? You know, just like he spoke to the fig tree and said and cursed it and said it would no longer bear fruit. Why wouldn't we be able to just walk up or not even walk up, but drive by a tower, you know, that we see that's popping up? Be like, Abba, I curse that tower in the name of Yahusha, Hamashiach of Nazareth. You know, and believe, believe that it would happen. Why wouldn't it? What are we limiting ourselves on? You know, if he did it before, he will do it again. We just got to be crazy enough to believe. Because he said, without faith, it's impossible to please me. It's impossible to please him. Because you have to believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's what Hebrews 11.6 says. And you got to go through and you got to read all them stories, you know. And I did it. I did a whole uh, message on that a couple of weeks ago. But um, you got to go through. And you got to read the word, and you got to you got to get it in you. You got to and also read it out loud. Read it out loud, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of Elohim. That's Romans ten seventeen. You got to read it out loud, because when you read it out loud, it you're you're not only seeing it. And comprehending it, but and your mind getting it, but you're hearing it, and your mind's getting it another way as well. And then you're speaking it, so you're coming to agreement with what it actually says. And that's where I think that we can uh, tap into that. And then also through uh, through fasting and prayer, you know, that's where I think we can get into um, those deeper realms of the spirit, where we can start seeing these wonderful uh, miracles happening, but we can't do it just haphazardly, halfway, half, halfway, um, you know, halfway in, halfway out. You know, we can't, we're limiting ourselves is basically what I'm thinking because he said we can do greater works than these. And he, I mean, man, Lazarus was dead four days, raised him. He said, remove the, remove the stone. Um, Yahusha, Yahusha. He he's already smells. He's been in there four days, man. He already smells. Remove the stone. And he said, Lazarus, come out. That's what he said. And what's crazy is that unbelief actually hinders him. That's a that's a scary concept because I think it was a was it Capernaum. It was like Capernaum and then another town where he could only do just a few miracles because of their unbelief. It's literally recorded in, in the scripture that he could only do a few miracles because of their unbelief. So our belief actually gives him the strength and enables him because he wants to partner with us and come into agreement with us. So if we have unbelief, it quenches him. 
So, man, I, I just really want to dig into what are greater works than these? And what does it mean to have spiritual warfare, or to conduct spiritual warfare in this day and age? Because that's what is needed. Because we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, beloved. We're wrestling against the prince and the powers of the powers of the air. That's what we're wrestling against. And we have a frequency. He's trying to knock us off the frequency of Elohim. And he's trying to disrupt what Elohim created in us at the molecular and cellular level to cause us to react to it for our bodies to produce these symptoms and to throw us off of our game, to wear us out, to make war against us. But we serve the Elohim who healeth. He is Yahuwah Rapha, Yahuwah who healeth. And he's the great physician. And I told you the other day on my blog that by Yahusha's stripes, we are healed. So he's already paid the penalty for everything. Uh, you know, that's why he was whipped and scourged the way that he was, is so that we can not only inherit the kingdom with him and have experience eternal life, but that we would have abundant life here and a healthy life here while we're here. So we gotta just we gotta take him out of this box. We've put we've put Elohim in a box and said that he can't do certain things or whatever. We gotta break agreements with that and we gotta agree with what his word says. Because he's still the same Elohim who parted the Red Seas, who told Noah to build an ark, that the rain was coming, that the flood was coming. He did all those miracles. They're not stories. They're not just stories, y'all. They're actual witness accounts of what he did, preserved throughout, I don't know, six, 7,000 years of history. Preserved. For you and I to read today and believe. And he told Thomas, you know, he said Thomas to doubting Thomas, he said, put your finger in my hand and put your hand in my side that you would no longer be unbelieving, but believe. But he said, blessed are those who believe without seeing. And beloved, that's you and I, because we believe in our hearts and in our minds that he really did do that. And he really is coming back. And that's what this whole thing is about. Satan is enraged right now because he sees the seals breaking. He sees that Yahushua is on his way. And he wants to make war against his bride. He wants to get rid of his seed because he knows if he tries to get rid of his seed, he thinks that Yahushua won't return. Eliminate all the believers. Yahushua won't return. Nope. Wrong. He's going to preserve a remnant. So you've plotted a vain thing. I'm just letting you know, kings of the earth. Just letting you know, Satan. You plotted a vain thing because it won't work. And also, those days shall be shortened for the sake of the elect. That's what it says. So this is what we're up against. But you've got to have the right weaponry. Because if you're trying to fight off spiritual matters with physical, just words, or by your own, by your own understanding, you know, by your own intellect, you're going to end up running away blind and naked um, the way that the seven sons of Sceva did when they encountered demons. But if you walk by the Spirit, you walk by the Spirit and empowered by the Spirit, then 
those demons will tremble because they know that you walk in the authority, not of your own authority, but in the authority of Yahusha, the, the name above all names, the name that they tremble at. You know, like you hear like uh, in Lion King, it has Mufasa. And they're like, oh, say it again, say it again. Mufasa, you know, and it's like, oh, I just, I just shake. You know, that's what Yahusha does to them. When they hear Yahusha, they tremble. They tremble at that name. You know, when he encountered them, they said, have it, have you, is it come the time where you come to torment us? You know, <laughs> I love it. I love it. We need to be executing demons in Yahusha's mighty name. That's what we need to be doing. We need to be calling down these strongholds that have raised themselves up in our land. That's what we need to be doing. But we need to fight on our knees. We need to fight in the prayer closet. We need to get in and press in and get away from all these distractions and, and climb that watchtower that uh, Habakkuk talks about uh, in Habakkuk chapter two. You know, we got to climb above the storm in the spirit. We got to we got to ascend in the spirit so that way we can get above the storm, so that way we can hear His word, hear His voice speaking to us, so then we can prophesy to our problems. We got to speak those things that are not as though they were. That's what it talks about. So anyway, I just wanted to get that out to you all. I pray that, uh, you know, test everything that I say, you know. Um, and, you know, if you don't see it with your own eyes and your own Bible, don't take my word for it. Be a good Berean. All right. So I pray. Uh, what are we on? Sunday? Yeah. Sunday, day one. So I pray that you guys have a blessed Sunday. Um, there's no uh, there's no idols available. Um I think they're doing like virtual racing or something like that is what I heard. Um, and like playing replays of old sports and stuff like that. So, you know, guys, this is the perfect time to just get into the word, read it, put some mute worship music on, pray and just enter in, enter in. You know, you don't need a teacher to teach you. You don't need a pastor to preach to you. You don't need any of that. You just need to get into the word. And pray through the word. That's what you need to do. All right? So, blessings. Shalom.